and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes, and divers or various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and kill you. You'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Amen. If you're a note taker, or mark, if you're willing to mark in your Bibles, uh, it would be a good thing for you to underline verse 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax or become cold. You need to know this morning that no matter where you think you are today, that is a real possibility for you. It's entirely possible that your love for God, that your love for His Word, your love for His ways, your love for His church, your love for His work, your love for His soon coming, will or already is becoming cold. And you can read this scripture and you can say to yourself, that will never happen to me, but I give you a warning from the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says, Therefore let him who thinks he stand... Take heed lest he fall. Amen. Amen. 2 Peter. Paul wrote that one. Peter says, You therefore, beloved, in 2 Peter 3, verse 17, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But instead, in other words, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You see, it's very possible. It's a very real danger for each one of us today that the love that we have for God will become less instead of more. Amen. That's why churches try to have revivals. They know that the hearts of people, mine and yours included, are fickle. Right, we're, we're on fire one day and, 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 and we would do anything for God and we would just, uh, you know, ain't nothing. We, we, we would sell all we have and give it to the poor and we would go out and do anything for the Lord. And the next day you talk to the same person and they don't even want to talk about God. Our hearts are so fickle and so we try to do things, whether it's revivals or other little things that we try to do to keep the heart stirred up that we not forget the goodness of God. 
But I want to warn you this morning, none of those things will work in your life if you don't take part in them. There are things that I want you to watch out for. I'm, I know it seems a little somber this morning, but, but don't, be, don't be somber. Instead, hear what God is saying to us. And really listen this morning to what God is speaking through His Word. And listen to it and, and, and absorb it and think about it and, and examine yourselves and see whether or not you are, in, are, are on your way to falling backwards. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says, Know this, that in the last days, that's the days from the resurrection of Christ onward, the Bible calls the last days. Yeah. Amen. Paul and Peter lived in the last days. We are also living in the last days. Yeah. We don't know how many days the last days consist of. But we know they are the last days. Beyond this age, there is no other age to come. We're living in the last days. And he says that in the last days, perilous, or that means dangerous or difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong or reckless, haughty or conceited and arrogant, lovers of pleasure, more or rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such people turn away. Amen. Listen, what, what Paul is saying is that the times that we're living in is very dangerous. <clears throat> it's not some future time that's coming. It's a time we're in right now. Amen. It's a dangerous time because what people are becoming and, and, and because of what's happening in the hearts of people. And listen, that scripture in Timothy, Paul says there's three things that, that's dangerous that you can look at. Three loves that you can see clearly written in that scripture. I want to show them to you. People that are getting cold on the Lord. These are the things. Their love for God is being replaced with these things. And the first thing is, is that they are a lover of themselves. Amen. It's not a coincidence that he starts with that. This is the overarching thing that you need to search your heart for this morning. Self-love. Self-centeredness. Self-serving, egotistical, selfish living, self-admiration, self-absorbed, craving attention, 
themselves are willing to hurt someone else so that they can have what they want or feel good about themselves. And these are dangerous ways to think and act, but they are absolutely glamorized and promoted in the world that we live in today. We are told and instructed and taught to live this way. This is the way that we are supposed to be according to the world. But not according to the Word of God. Amen. But you know what? Being a lover of yourself shows up in other ways too. When you're not willing to help others because you're too consumed with what you're doing. You're a lover of self. Amen? It's hard preaching this morning. You hang right in there. When you put your own wants and needs above the wants and needs of other people, I want to tell you this morning that that is the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. Now, it's not the exact opposite of what the church teaches anymore. Because what the church has decided to do is to go along with the culture. But what God has said will stand forever. And what God said is that we ought to prefer one another over our own selves. That's God's way. You can find a church that will do it your way. Or you can submit and be in a church that wants to do it God's way. Amen? I recommend the latter. When we're selfish with our time, when we're selfish with our talents, when we're selfish with our resources, these are all symptoms, these are all signs of the disease that we are a lover of ourselves. The second thing that the heart will begin to love. Remember, all of this love. How, how much of our heart are we supposed to love God with? Oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Soul, mind, and strength. And the scripture declares emphatically that we cannot love God and anything else. You can only serve one master. Amen? Amen. So, so, so we'll replace the love of God with the love for ourselves. Or we'll take some of that love that we should be directing to God and look at the second thing that they love. Lovers of money. We see it in the world we live in today. Amen? People will hurt each other, cheat each other, steal from each other, and lie to each other for money. Amen? Amen. They'll do it for money. When you're more concerned about your paycheck than you are about your salvation, something's wrong. When you spend more time planning your retirement than your eternity, something's wrong. Amen? Amen? Amen. I won't be invited to nobody's house this week. <laughs> and thank you, brother. We've forgotten what the scripture says. 
Woe to those that desire to be rich. They eventually fall into destruction, the Bible says, and plunge themselves through, pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Isn't that something? We love ourselves, or we'll love money, or listen to this last one, lovers of pleasure. One preacher said it this way, he said, in context, this means people will be excessive lovers of pleasure. Much, much more than they are lovers of God. In fact, their desire for their own pleasure will be so great that it will surpass their devotion, their respect, and their service to God. In these last days, people's thinking will not be ruled by what is morally right or morally wrong. It won't be ruled with what pleases or displeases God, but the question they'll ask themselves uh, when, they, when they look inside their heart is how will this decision affect my comfort and my happiness? Yeah. And do we do that or what? Amen. 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 We weigh out every decision and we wait, we put it on the scales and we don't say, God, is this morally right or wrong? God, does this please you or not please you? We say, will I be happier if I do this or happier if I do that? Will I be more comfortable if I do this or will I be more comfortable if I do that? Will I be more rich if I do this or more rich if I do that? Will I be more entertained here or more entertained there? Amen. That's lovers of pleasure. And I want you to hear the warning from that scripture because what it tells us is, is that, that these folks that are in that category, they'll still be religious because it says they'll be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, they'll still, have, they'll still profess this love for God. They'll still say all the right things and sing all the right songs and know all the right words and do all the right things. But in their heart, they desire pleasure and happiness and, 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 and worldly satisfaction more than they desire the will of God for their life. Amen. Their love for God does not compare to the love they have for their own happiness. I like this list of questions that one person asked in, a, in an article that I read. I thought it was powerful. You think on these questions. Is the love of pleasure keeping me from faithfully reading and studying my Bible? Is the love of pleasure making me not attend church faithfully or be involved in serving and giving to the Lord on the Sabbath day? Is the love of pleasure determining? Now listen to this. What you do with the 56 hours a week on average that most people spend on social media or television. The average work week is 40 hours average. 
We spend 16 more hours a week watching television or on the internet than we do at work on average now. Isn't that something to think about? Is that the love of pleasure? I, I, I found it interesting. As I was studying this out, somebody said, imagine 20 years ago. Now, 20 years ago, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Twitter. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have smartphones. We didn't have any of those things. So imagine 20 years ago, if you would have went to your mailbox and opened your mailbox up and just postcards just fell out. It was so full they just fell out. And you picked it up and your friends sent you a postcard and said, I'm having oysters for dinner. <laughs> I bought a new dress. I did this. I did that. I went here. I went there. You see, we're becoming consumed with watching everybody's lives Amen. and not living our own. Amen. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? We're so worried about what everybody else is doing and they're so worried about you knowing what they're doing Amen. that they can't live and enjoy life. Amen. And I'm not preaching against Facebook. I'm not preaching against those things. All those things can be used for good. Yeah. All those things are, are fine. It's not Facebook that's corrupt. It's the heart of the people using Facebook that's corrupt. What a silly thought that is to think about going to the mailbox and seeing all those postcards with your friends telling you everything they've done. It's nuts. But we do it. Lovers of pleasure. Is the love of pleasure causing me to neglect anything that's commanded in the Scripture? Man, that's a good question. Listen at these last couple. What changes do you need to make to demonstrate to the Lord that you're a lover of God rather than a lover of pleasure? And lastly, when you ponder standing before the Lord, if that was today, if you leave this church and when you walk out that door, you find yourself, now listen, it could happen. You could walk out that door and go to take a breath and there'd be no breath there. No heartbeat. Gone. In a moment. Just like that. Happens to three to five people every second. Gone. As fast as they can go. You could walk out that door and you could fall over there and the next thing you see is the face of God. And when that happens, when you think about standing before Him, what will you wish you had done more of in this life? Are you striving to do what you wish you will have done when you meet God? That's the question. Now, that's their love. Now, now look at their character. And, and, and we won't go much longer. But look at their character. And I'm not going to preach on each of these. I'm just going to read them to you. Boastful. Proud. Blaspheming. For, for those that are still under the uh, authority of their parents. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. 
unholy, unloving, unwilling to forgive, slanderers that don't have self-control, brutal, traitors, despisers of the things that are good, reckless and conceited and arrogant. And I'll just ask you, when you think about those characteristics, do you see any of those in yourself? Are any of those things growing up in you or in your home? Take heed. Watch for them. There are signs that your love for God is being replaced with love for other things. What happens next? Those things begin to spring up in our lives and they take root in our heart and our love begins to wax cold. Iniquity is beginning to abound. Love is beginning to wax cold. What happens? Well, we've got an enemy that's so cunning and so crafty. And listen, we don't talk about it much, but let me be very plain with you this morning. We're absolutely in this world surrounded by demonic forces that seek to destroy us. Jesus said, Satan... He told Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. The Bible warns us that he comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. So we have all these things, all these proofs, this demonic force, and all these demonic forces are just waiting for a weak link in the armor. They're just waiting for a crack in your life, in your heart, that they can gain a foothold in. The Bible warns us in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter 4, not to give place to the devil. Amen. And as these things, these characteristics, these other loves, as they begin to take root in our heart and they begin to develop in there, the enemy comes in like a flood and he begins to surround us with lies. You know what the Bible says? That he is the father of lies. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. This is what the enemy does. There were also false prophets among the people, even as there'll be false teachers among you. They'll secretly bring in destructive heresies, They'll even deny the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their pernicious or destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. You know what the enemy does? When we start feeling weak, when we start getting these things, we start becoming a lover of ourselves. You know what he does? He sends teachers to us to tell us that it's okay to love yourself. And all under the guise of the church. They come with a big church and a big smile. And, 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 and everything seems good on the outside. And they say, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's good for you to love yourself. And they'll, they'll find all kinds of little scriptures taken out of context. And they'll flash them on the bottom of their screens. And they'll say, see here, you're supposed to love yourself. Listen to how Peter describes these people. Now, he goes from that and he, he talks about their destruction, but then he goes down into verse 18 and he shows you something about them in 2 Peter 2, verses 18 through, I think it's 22. For, by, for when they speak great, swelling 
emptiness. <laughs> That's what they're preaching. Swelling words of emptiness. They allure you through the lust of your flesh. They tell your flesh everything it wants to hear. That's why it's so hard to sit under biblical preaching and teaching. Because you can turn the TV on or go to the church down the road somewhere and find somebody that won't give real biblical teaching and it sounds so good to the flesh. They allure you through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness or debauchery. They lure the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, that's the promise, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them. According to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow that's been washed back to wallowing in the mire. That's what the enemy does. He begins to flood your surroundings with people who will encourage you to live in the flesh. False teachers, false preachers, false friends, false Christians who will come around you and say, oh, 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 oh listen, everything's fine. You don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to try to live godly. You don't need to try to live right. Listen, these are false teachers, false preachers, false pastors, and they're disguised as biblical ones, but they're preaching a false Christ. He'll flood your Facebook feed with cute little quotes that sound biblical, but they're not. Pay attention to those things. I see Christians are so quick, if it's got anything to do with God or Jesus, they hit share and send it out there. Half of those quotes are biblically incorrect. Be careful. They sound If they sound good to the flesh, read them five times before you share them. He begins to chip away at the truth, little at a time, getting you to believe a lie. So let me go on and finish this message up. What can we do then to keep our hearts in love for Him in these last days? Well, it's just four simple little things. Nothing you don't know already. And it has to start with the most basic one. Repent. What did, God, what did Christ tell the church in Revelations when He said, 
that you have left your first love? What was the what was the big solution? What was the big thing that they needed to do right to get back right? He said, repent. That's always the step of faith it takes to get things right with God. We come in repentance. We ask God's forgiveness. We ask Him to help change our minds. <coughs> change our hearts and our directions. Let me be honest with you this morning. The reality is you won't be able to keep your heart in love if you don't get God's help to do it. Amen. You've got to be able to go to Him for help. You have to come to Him and surrender this morning. You have to come and say, God, I need you to take over me. <coughs> I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your grace. And I need your strength because I don't have it on my own. Amen. I need help. So you repent. The second thing, simple. Once you repent, you don't stop there. Once you repent, change your priorities. This is where we're okay with repentance. Let me tell you something. We're okay with repentance because God's doing the work. But when I say change your priorities, it shifts the work to you, and that's where I lose you. Right? But once you repent, you begin to change your priorities. You've got to put some actions into place. Amen? You've got to get things in your life back in the right order. They're most likely askew somewhere. I, when I find my love growing cold, when I, when I identify it in myself, and it does happen to me, when I find it in me, it's usually because I've got something in my life out of place. Amen. That my priorities have shifted somehow, and I didn't realize it or didn't stop it, and I've got something that I put in front of my relationship with God. And I start to feel that distance between me and Him. So we have to examine our lives and, 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 and find out where our priorities are and ask ourselves if we're really loving God and serving God and worshiping God. Are we taking time to worship? Are we taking time to pray? Are we taking time to study? Are we taking time to meditate? Are we fasting? Oh, preacher, I don't fast. We'll start. Are we fellowshipping with other believers? I cannot tell you guys how important it is that you be closely connected to other believers who love you, who will encourage you, who will tell you the truth, and will hold you accountable to how you live. It is so important. You have to develop a deep relationship with them. You've got to talk to them and spend time with them. And you've got to study with them and Pray with them sometimes. And you listen, to be a true friend, to be a real brother or sister in Christ, it takes effort. Not Sunday mornings. It takes effort. Like it takes you thinking about that person outside of when you see them at church and taking a moment to send them a text and say, How are you doing this week? How can I pray for you? Will you pray for me about this? Can I call you and chat for a few minutes? Do you need anything? 
We're so consumed with our own lives, we don't even think about each other. It's just a passing thought. Oh, well, I probably should check on this person. And before you know it, you pick up your phone to send them a text, and two hours later, you stop watching YouTube, and you get off Facebook, and you never even send them one. Third thing. We're almost done. It's amazing. Get rid of idols. Most of the time when our hearts are growing cold, we've developed some idols in our lives. We've got something that we've built up that we're worshiping. Maybe it's our spouse. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our church. Maybe it's our careers. Maybe it's our ministry. Maybe it's our financials. Maybe it's our hobbies. Whatever it is, get it back where it belongs. And let me tell you where it belongs. Somewhere behind Jesus. Amen. Somewhere back there. You've got to get rid of those idols. You've got to, listen, I'm not saying don't love your kids and don't love your spouse. Amen. What I am saying to you is don't put them ahead of Christ. When you do, you have created an idol. Amen. Don't let God destroy your idols. You destroy them. You put them back where they're supposed to be. Get them behind your relationship with God. Because let me tell you this. It's a little secret to life here. When you're right with God, your other relationships have a way of working out. You'll know when you're right with God, you men, you'll know how to treat your wives because Christ will be telling you how to. When you're right with God, you ladies, you'll know how to treat your husbands and how to, how to raise your children because Christ will be telling you how to in His Word and you'll be listening and you'll be hearing. You'll know how to treat your friends. You'll know how to forgive. You'll know how to be thankful because He tells you how. You listen. The fourth thing. Stop focusing on how you feel and start focusing on what you know. Stop talking about your feelings and start focusing on what you know. We tend to want to make faith about feeling. We are emotionally driven. We want our love to be feeling-based rather than faith or fact-based. But the Christian experience is not about feelings. It's about what we know. It's about the promises of God, who He says He is, who, say, who He says we are. These are things that we can trust and believe and proclaim. So you got to listen. Take inventory of your life. And you're going to find that God has blessed you. Amen. 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 Start thanking Him. Listen, you say, well, I just don't feel... I just don't feel like worshiping anymore. I just don't feel the joy of the Lord. Okay, well, start thanking Him for your blessings. Amen. Start thanking Him for all the things in your life, right? You can listen. You may not be feeling very good right now. Look across from you in the pew and see your spouse and your children or your grandchildren or look across from you and see friends and people that love you and start saying, God, I thank you for those people. Amen. 
God, I love, I, 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 I don't even deserve those good people in my life. I don't deserve my wife. I don't deserve my children. I don't deserve a church. I don't deserve a family like you've given me. And you start thanking God for those things. And you start focusing on what you have and what's real and not what you think it ought to be like. And you start getting your mind recalibrated the way that it should be. And you start knowing what's real. Let me tell you what's real. God's love for you is real. His grace is real. His mercy is real. His forgiveness is real. His protection is real. His sovereignty is real. His power is real. His strength is real. His peace is real. His joy is real. Eternal life is real. Heaven is real. All these things, when you don't feel like you've got anything good going on spiritually, you go back and think on the things you know are real. And you get your mind calibrated to where that it should be, and you'll find out really quickly that God is closer than you could ever imagine. Amen. Don't let your love for God wax cold. Don't let yourself be a miserable Christian. Don't let yourself fall into that. Don't let your life be wasted on on half-hearted, lukewarm Christianity. Don't let your life be wasted serving a world that doesn't love you. When you can serve a God that does love you. Don't waste your life. You may be here this morning and you're lost and you don't know God. You've never been born again by the Spirit of the living God. You don't even understand what those things mean. Let me just tell you very plainly this morning. You are a sinner and Jesus is a Savior. You need a Savior and Jesus is the only Savior. You can be washed in His blood and you can have life and you can have joy and you can have peace and you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Don't waste your life on a world that doesn't love you. Don't waste time walking a path that leads to hell. Get your priorities right. Get your life in order. Prepare to meet your God because one day you're going to. You want to know what to do? Whether you're lost or saved this morning, give God His rightful place on the throne of your heart. Let Him be the Lord of your life. Let Him be the Savior. Let Him be the lover of your soul. Let Him be the one who you put your trust and faith in. Let Him show you how faithful He really is. Let's stand and repeat this morning. Can I talk you into bowing your head for a moment? Closing your eyes.
And I want to start by asking if you're here this morning and you're lost. You don't know God. You have no real relationship with God and you know that. As you stand where you are this morning, you have no real relationship with God. There's nothing that's real about your relationship with Him. Can I invite you to step out by faith and kneel down at this altar, not give a speech to the church, not try to convince me, but kneel down and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me. Are you, are you here this morning and you need that? Step out from where you are and come. Come and be saved. So that it's never too late. Are you here this morning as a believer? And as we preach to you this morning, you know that your love, to use a little word, maybe a little bit of the world's creeping in, 